one of the biggest problems in health is one, you need a complete commitment to it. Any change you're going to make, you need a complete commitment to it. And secondly, the I think this is where medicine, in my opinion, has gone wrong. And that is that they're only managing things. And by managing things, you take away the response. The responsibility for for patients is all they have to do is take take a drug or yeah. take a supplement or take a here, take this pill and just take it every day. But they don't talk to you about, no, you need to change your lifestyle. You need this is a lifestyle change. If you have any chronic disease. Welcome, everybody, to Born Unstoppable. My name is Thiago Luzvargi, and I believe you were uniquely designed to be an unstoppable force for good. Each episode, we will be bringing you incredible guests that have overcome challenges in their life so that you can learn from their experience and implement their strategies to grow in the areas that matter the most, your health, wealth, and relationships. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Born Unstoppable podcast. Today, I'll be talking with Dr. Martin about how we can take care of our health through the foods that we eat. And I'm sure that some of the things that he has to say might surprise you as it doesn't go with what we are generally taught in school or even what what is mentioned in the mainstream media. Dr. Martin is a doctor of natural medicine that has been practicing at the Martin Clinic in Sudbury for the past 46 years. He is an author of several books, such as Are You Built for Cancer, Medical Crisis, Secrets Your Doctor Won't Share With You, and more. On top of that, he is going to be releasing a new book titled The Martin Clinic Reset, The Diet Your Doctor Won't Share With You, and we'll definitely be talking about this later on. He has formulated and sells 25 different supplements that have literally changed the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people who use them daily, and I use them daily as well. And he is a co-host alongside his son, Dr. Tony Martin Jr. in the Doctor Is In podcast. Dr. Martin, welcome to Born Unstoppable. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. That is quite the lineup. You do a lot. Uh, um, I guess they call it a jack of all trades, but you are a master of one of them. At least. <laughs> well, I, I just, I, I get up every morning with a huge passion and it's, uh, it's, it's exciting for me. I, I, I just feel I was sharing with someone this morning that I, uh, you know, it's like a hobby with me. It's not work at all. Yeah. It's, you know, if you love golf, you know, you, you somebody who loves golf, they don't find that it's not, they might find it difficult to be good at it, but they just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I just, I just love what I'm, what I'm doing. So I have a real passion for, uh, you know, nutrition and health and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it charges my batteries every, every day. And I really uh, am thrilled about it. And I can sense that. I can sense that in your um, how lively you are during your your live uh, Facebook videos, or even in your podcasts. And we'll talk about those. I think it's important that people know where they can find you um, and how they can learn more beyond this podcast. This is going to scratch just the very surface of the surface because um, you have so much content out there. 
um, and you're really uh, putting out as much content uh, to educate uh, people uh, that you can. So before we dive into that, let's start off with a rapid fire questions. And I'm just going to ask you some questions really fast. That's why you answer back really fast. And then we'll uh, circle back if anything pops up. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Where did you grow up? Timmins. Timmins, Ontario. Shania Twain and I. <laughs> yeah. And- I always get a kick because that's what I remember I was I was doing a seminar down in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I... You, Americans often have a hard time with Canada because they know very little about about Canadian the Canadians in general, and they just know we're north. And, you know, and I always point out to where I come from because yeah. I'd say, you see, up here is Santa Claus. That's where he lives, the North Pole. And I said, if you just go a little bit south, I said, that's Timmins. Yeah. <laughs> and I and then Timmins, and they know that Shania Twain somehow. Yeah. They knew that. I said, well, yeah, her and I are, you know, my claim to fame is I come from the same hometown and I actually sat beside her one day on a a flight before she was famous. We were flying from Timmins to Toronto Mm -hmm. and uh, I picked her brain about her future and she was telling me that she had a, a good agent and that she was a singer and I knew some of the people that she knew and her family and that and a couple of months later, the rest is history. She mm. hit it big time and good for her. That's amazing. I mean, I remember when I was still young, like younger than five years old in Brazil, I was listening to Shania Twain songs and <laughs> I liked her since I was young. So that's really cool. Uh, that's the only thing I know about Timmins too. It's that Shania is from there. Anything else, uh, it's just far north and can get cold. Big time. <laughs> Where do you live now? I'm in Sudbury, which is uh, about three hours south by car. And believe me, between Timmins and Sudbury, the only people that live there are moose and bears. (laughs) Uh, There's nothing else. (laughs) But we're about three hours south in another mining town. Sudbury is famous for nickel mining. And Mm -hmm. so I've gone from one mining town to another. I followed my grandchildren to Sudbury. That's what I tell people. I said, if I knew, if I had known, see, I go that grandchildren are that much fun. We'd have had them first. <laughs> uh, if only that were possible. That's awesome. That's great. That um, family. 11 grandchildren and one great granddaughter. Wow. Congrats. Congrats on the great granddaughter. Love it. And they're, they're all in Sudbury. That's good. That's good. That family's all together. Um, what's your favorite meal? Pasta. 100% pasta. It's good. It's I married good. in a little, I call her the Italian stallion. <laughs> and I, my wife is, uh, my grandchildren, it doesn't matter. They never get tired of grandma's pasta. Now, mm. of course, I'll tell you when I, I'm a low-carb guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll tell you, don't live on it. But if you're asking me what my favorite meal is, it's pasta. Yeah. And I know you were, you were thinking bacon and eggs because I yes. talk about that all the time. That's my favorite <laughs> breakfast, by the way, it is. And But all together, I got to go, it's pasta, man, pasta. If you, if you tasted my wife's sauce, you're hooked the first time. Oh, that's good. That's amazing. Nothing beats grandma's pasta. <laughs> I'm sure the kids love it too. 
Um, what's one thing that you are grateful for today? Well, for me personally, is that um, I had an encounter uh, about 38 years ago uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I was searching, even though I was successful in every aspect of my life, at least that's what people thought. And mm -hmm. I was missing something. I didn't, I could never put my finger on it. Um, you know, there seemed to be, you know, I was very busy and, and successful, but I was always missing something. And then I, I through some circumstances, um, I started reading the Bible and I didn't, I realized that I, you know, I, it wasn't religion. It was a relationship. And I met yeah. uh, a living savior and that changed my life. It wow. changed my family's life. It changed my, my, uh, my kids' lives and my grandchildren's lives. And, you know, it, it's, it's the, the, the thing that I, it is the person that I am the most grateful for. Now, my wife is is close to that, yeah, uh, because she's a wonderful woman. But I'll tell you, my savior is, uh, you know, that's powerful. My best friend. <laughs> that's that's so good to hear, and that's something that we can definitely circle back around, maybe towards the end of the podcast and come back, because I know that, you know, I've been saying in in the previous episode we've talked about how faith is one of the key traits of really being. Uh, unstoppable. So that's really uh, important to talk about. What are the three traits that you think can make someone unstoppable? Well, my, uh, you know, and I, I wrote about this probably in my very first book, I think it was 1988 or 89. I wrote a book on chronic fatigue syndrome, which was a new phenomenon mm -hmm. in those days. And I came at it from a different you know, they didn't know whether it was the yuppie flu or they called it Epstein-Barr. And there was all sorts of things because there seemed to be an epidemic at the time of especially women that were getting this unusual exhaustion yeah. without any real clinical findings. So I wrote a book about it. But one of the things that I did is I talked about three things that they needed to in every aspect of their lives. And that was a desire, mm. three D's, yep. desire, determination, and discipline. And I don't know if I coined it. I don't know if I was the first guy to ever put that together. And if someone else hears it and says, oh, no, that came from someone else, hey, I'll give them all the credit. All yeah. I know is I've been preaching this for a long, long time. And for individuals to be successful in any aspect of their lives, in my opinion, they need these three things, these three tra traits. Yeah. Desire is your, you, you need a plan. Yeah. You need a plan for your life. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in, in uh, you know, I, I remember hearing a story once of someone that was in the concentration camps. Mm. And one of the things that kept him alive was he just kept dreaming that someday he will be able to share on a massive scale his experience on how he survived. Mm. 
Wow. And it was that hope. But even, that and it was a tremendous thing. And I remember reading this probably about 40 something years ago, maybe even longer than that, reading yeah. his story. And he said, what kept me alive is that dream that I had. Yeah. Was to tell the world about what happened to me and what happened to our people. And it was a, a tremendous thing. And it always struck with me that, you know, it, to have a desire, it's a wonderful thing, but that's, you can't stop there. Mm hmm. You've got to transfer that. And I always say it, the transfer is now 18 inches. You got to take it from up here and you're dreaming or nothing wrong with that, but now make it a determination that gets into the heart of the matter. Yeah. And you know, if you are going to make any changes in your life, you have to have determination. That is, this is almost like you make a covenant. I'm going to do it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to implement but the third one is true too. And this is more the day-to-day -day thing. I, I'll give you an example. Sure. You know, I, I, I tell people, okay, I talked to a guy yesterday and he is 320 pounds. His cardiologist said, I love you, but there's nothing more I can do for you. You have to lose over a hundred pounds. Yeah. This guy's 70 years old, but he can no longer have surgery. Medication isn't really working for him. It's, it, it doesn't even stabilize him anymore. Mm. So through a mutual friend and patient, he, I said, look, get the guy to call me and I will, I will, I will encourage him. I'll talk to him. I said, listen, you've maybe never done this, but now you need, you know, you got, I mean, when a cardiologist tells you there's nothing more I can do for you, obviously you've got, the, you got the memo. Yeah. Like, you know, and the guy was being just brutally honest with him. I said, look, you can do this, but here's how you're going to do it. You got a desire. That's good. Now you got to be determined. Because if you don't transfer that to your heart and say, this is it, you're going to die and you're going to die young. Yeah. And the cardiologist gave him less than a year to live unless he lost that weight. Yeah. So that's where I come in and I'm just, I said, look, I'll be your coach, but I'm going to tell you what, you need to discipline yourself. And, you know, discipline is, is that every day you, you look, the food is all around you. You're going to have to say no. Yeah. You're just going to have to say no. It's not going to be easy. It's simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. There's a big difference because people want easy. Yes. They want, they want success. Easy. Well, there's no, in my opinion, there's no such thing unless you win a lotto. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, what are your chances of that? Right. So I tell people, look, I don't care what it is in your relationships, in your home, in your finances, in your workplace, in your health. If you want to have any success, you're going to have to implement the changes and be disciplined. Mm -hmm. The discipline's the day to day. It's every day making choices. Yes to the right no to the wrong. It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. And so that really, those three traits to me, 
is something I preach on a daily basis, and it works in every, even it works in in our area of 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 our our faith. Yeah. Right. No. 100%. You know the Bible says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God." Study. Well, you know, Doc, I I well, I got a Bible right beside my. I go to bed every night. It's right beside my bed. Oh, that's that's good. But this doesn't happen by osmosis. Nothing happens by osmosis. No. You need to implement. And on a daily basis, you've got to say no to the things that will get you sidetracked. And you've got to say yes. You have to form new habits. I, I took enough psychology in university to know this. It takes three weeks to form a habit. That's what I learned in psychology. I didn't learn much else. But I learned that human beings, it takes them three weeks to form a habit. January, the gyms are full in January. They're empty in February. And the reason is because people don't stick to it. They don't Mm. have the discipline to make, to not to just to implement the change, but to cement the change. Yeah. You have to cement it. And cement takes three weeks to, to get solid. And then, you know, then it becomes easier. So I have a program, this new book I'm writing, I just finished actually. The, the you know, I, I, I talk about, well, look, now you have the plan. And I give you all the clinical stuff of, of why it's going to work. To eat the way I want you to eat. Why it'll work and works for this, this, and this, and this. But now you got to do it, man. Yeah. You got to do it. And it, it, like I said, it's never easy, but it's simple. Yeah. And that's, I 100% agree with that. And that's what I would call like, that's a, a key takeaway. So for those, those people who are listening right now, like this could be a, a holy shift moment. And that's really, you know, this insight that you get like, wow, the three D's desire, determination, and discipline. It makes sense. And like Dr. Like you said, Dr. Martin, it's not easy. And I find I struggle with this too. Like I think about it. I, I talk about this with, with friends often in terms of like faith and how growing your faith is not easy. It's work every day. And as soon as you think you got there, you're not there and you got to keep being disciplined. And for me as well in medical school, um, wow, is that ever evident? Because I thought, you know, when I get to to medical school, I'm like achieving a dream and, you know, I got got there and it won't be, I didn't imagine how hard it would be. <laughs> and so the desire is there. The determination is there, although fading. The, dis- <laughs> the discipline wavers. <laughs> and it's incredible how easy it is to lose discipline. And it, it's something that has to be maintained every day regardless of how we feel because um and i'm not even in the workforce but those of people who are working for the past like for multiple years there's days you don't want to go into work there's days i don't want to study but regardless of how you feel you need to maintain that discipline you got to get in there do the job as best as you can like glorify god through it um and that's the only way that one, you're going to maintain where you're at. And two, you're going to create opportunities to grow. 
And that applies in faith, in work, learning a new language or hobby, whatever it is. Um, and so that's easy to remember, the three Ds. Yeah, the three Ds. So, <laughs> I mean, those are, you know, and I like I said, I don't know if I if I invented those three. And, you know, I, I, I don't re- I really don't remember. I'd like to give credit to someone. Uh, so if any of our, our listeners are, are saying, oh, no, I, I read that in 1950. Well, you know what? Good for you, because I'm happy to. Uh, but they've sort of, you know, it's sort of been a very, very important. I do a lot of public speaking and whatever. And whenever I'm into motivational speaking, I tell people, like, if you don't have, you know what? Look, we're, we're, you're going to form habits. Yeah, They're going to be good and bad. And, you know, people get, you know, you need to form good habits. And, you know, I, I, I had good example by my father who worked, who saw patients seven days a week. Wow. Was, That's a- people came from all over the place to see my, my father. And they came on a Saturday. I would go to with my dad to his office oftentimes because to give my mom a break, he, you know, we were 11 kids. So I don't know how they did it. But you know what? I remember, and my dad was my hero. So, mm-hmm. you know, but what did I see all my life? I saw someone that, that was the most disciplined human being that I've ever met was my father. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember he, you know, just a, a little story about him because, it was, you know, he, he was my motivator because my father, he came home in 1967, okay, with this diagnosis of diabetes mm. 1967 okay it was the year of canada's centennial year and we had expo and it was a tremendous i always remember mm-hmm. and my dad comes home i'm a diabetic and i know he hadn't been feeling well for maybe a week or two and i was worried about my father and my mom i didn't understand and you know i mean i was i was in high school but i didn't mm. You know, I was worried, but I didn't know anymore. And when he said diabetes, I didn't. All I knew is my grandfather died of diabetes. Okay. So my dad, I'm not kidding, Diego. I got up the next morning. So tells us one day he's a diabetic. The next morning I got up and my dad was running on the spot. In the, on his, on the carpets in the living room, running on the spot up and down. I didn't know. In those days when you ran, either the police were chasing you or you were in a race right. because you did. There was no such thing as jogging. Yeah. I never heard the word. And I don't think that word was even invented. But my dad was the first jogger I ever met. He jogged only one day in the carpets because then my mom kicked him out of the house. Then he would actually run around. He'd get up early in the morning. He would run around. The yard. And then my mom kicked him out, said, you're going to trample down my grass. So. <laughs> he was determined and disciplined. But determined. And, you know, I said, Dad, what are you doing? He said, I'm a diabetic. I'm a diabetic. I need to get into shape. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my dad ate steak six nights a week. And I'm not kidding you. When the rest of us were eating pasta or whatever, my mom was a tremendous cook. Yeah. My dad would eat steak every day because he knew back then what even they still don't know today was that he could no longer have sugar and carbohydrates. My dad didn't, was the first guy that I ever met 
mm-hmm. that knew how to control diabetes Definitely. with his diet and exercise. So you see the yeah. determination ahead of his time in my dad and that daily discipline. Yeah. That had a huge impact on my life, a huge impact on 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 my future because of watching what my father did mm-hmm. in his day-to-day good habits. Tremendous. Yeah. Now, Dr. Martin, let's take us back to when you were younger. And I'm sure this is part of kind of the reason why you came into this field too. Maybe it inspired you. Uh, what caused you to become... Um, a doctor of natural medicine? Well, my grandfather, my dad, more my dad. I did. I never knew my grandfather, although probably up to a few years ago, I would see patients yeah. that knew my grandfather. So my grandfather died in 1952, the year I was born. And, but started the Martin Clinic in Timmins, Ontario, in the North Pole, in 1911 and he was sort of like you know a natural doctor that you know used his 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 brother uh, my uncle paul i actually knew him more because he lived longer than my grandfather but he was his younger brother paul but Paul would go out into the bush with my grandfather and they would, they, they would have all these potions that came from pine bark and willow bark and, and they would make up these teas and they would make up these ointments and they would make up these natural antibiotics and, and things like that. They were light years ahead of their time. That's neat. And so that was my background. My, my dad would tell us stories of my grandfather and, and, you know, all my life, I said, well, that's, you know, like I said, I told you, my dad was my hero. Now, I had one other dream. I wanted to play in the NHL, okay. you know, play hockey. Any Canadian kid would tell you, you know, that, you know, but look, I, I, I was, I was all right. I played with a lot of people that went on to the NHL, but I, I found out pretty young that that wasn't going to happen. Right. right. Yeah. But, uh, but I, not that I didn't love it. I, I loved it, but you know, so I knew that when, you know, it came time to get serious about my, about my future. And my dad was coaching me all along. He didn't call me Tony Jr. for nothing, you see. And he just, you know, he would look me in the eyeballs. My dad never said too much. He didn't talk a lot. But he, when he, he looked you in the eyes and said, son, you're going to take my practice. I want you to, to, because he said, you're a natural. So he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself when mm. I was a kid. Thank the Lord for uh, dads that yep. are encouraging and see potential and speak into it, not just kind of turn an eye or not yep. say anything. That's words are super powerful. He was a tremendous guide. Mm-hmm. And continue on with your with your story. So he saw potential in you and he saw that you're natural and he wanted you to take over. And where what were the steps that kind of led you to um, studying nutrition and becoming a doctor of natural medicine? Well, the, the, the route that I took was um, to, I entered chiropractic college in Toronto right. in 1970. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that, and that 
chiropractic was the founding, uh, the foundation of uh, naturopathic medicine. Yeah. So chiropractic, you know, um, gave me a tremendous background in um, not only manual therapy, obviously, but in they we we were uh, we got two thousand hours of nutrition. So, you know, we had a, we had a, an undergraduate degree in nutrition that I decided, and again, a lot of it was because of diabetes in my father's life. And I already saw what he had done yeah. uh, to, to treat it. And, you know, nutritional training was, you know, either, you know, was the Canada's food guide in the yeah. pyramid. And I was always a little bit skeptical of that mm -hmm. and much more so today, of course, but back then, even when it came for diabetes, then, you know, I was, I was probably one of the, at the forefront of telling people that, you know, if you have diabetes, for example, you have an allergy, mm -hmm. you know, I, I used to relate it as an allergy, you have an allergy to carbohydrates, you and carbs just don't get along. Don't try and convince yourself otherwise. Yeah. Whereas the nutritional field in general would say, well, do it in moderation and, you know, take medication. Yeah. And I get that. I understand that because medication will control it, but it will never fix it. No. And that's more of, you know, it was more of let's maintain your blood sugar rather than, well, let's fix the cause yeah. of diabetes, Treating the symptoms, which the is cause. a disease of insulin. Yeah. So I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I was one of the early pioneers in, in that type of work. I wasn't the only one, but I, that came out of my, my father's practice and his daily practice of what he was doing. He was, he was the low carb guy. You know, he wasn't a guy to live on bread or on noodles. And uh, he loved all that stuff. My dad loved eating. Oh, my word. But you know what he learned? And my mother, I give her credit because when, you know, he told her, look, I got to eat. You know, I got I can't have many carbs. And guess what? My mom, she would cook two meals every night. Oh, that's nice of her. And my dad would come home late, you know, and, he, yeah. you know, and I used to sit and I'd try and eat half his steak because I was always hungry, too. <laughs> But that's really what was my motivation. Yeah. And got me into the natural field. Okay. Was was that. Um from your experience, what do you think is holding people back from living a healthy life right now? Well, I think it's two things. One of them is that determination and discipline. Mhm. Mm because any major change you make in life is difficult. Yeah. So health is difficult. It's complex. First of all, I try and dumb it down. My, my job in my, in, in nutrition and clinical nutrition, my, you know, you're going to be no good if you can't make people understand where you're coming from. So, you know, I always do that. I do that with the gospel, right? Jesus, Jesus was a tremendous teacher. Because he would use illustrations. He was always talking in, 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 you know, the, for farmers or whatever to 
And people will go, oh, yeah, I can get right into that. I Mm -hmm. understand exactly what you're saying. Well, for me, like one of the biggest problems in health is one, you need a complete commitment to it. Any change you're going to make, you need a complete commitment to it. And secondly, the I think this is where medicine, in my opinion, has gone wrong. And that is that they're only managing things. And by managing things, you take away the response. The responsibility for, for patients is all they have to do is take, take a drug or yeah. take a supplement or take a, here, take this pill. And just take it every day. But they don't talk to you about, no, you need to change your lifestyle. You need, this is a lifestyle change. If you have any chronic disease, this is, this is what, you, what you need to yeah. do. So, you know, I think those are the two hindrances. One of them is that people lack the discipline. They didn't, they thought it would be easy. I've had people come to my office and they, after I give them all their findings, I tell them exactly, and here's the plan. I, they said, I, seriously, this happened to me probably 10 times in 46 years. People said to me, Doc, I thought it was going to be easy. You were going to give me a pill. Oh, no. Nah, this isn't going to be easy. <laughs> you know, there's no easy solution to getting rid of bad habits that you've had for the last 40 years or no, 50 years. Nothing you gotta, worth fighting for is easy. Exactly. And then secondly, I think that, and again, I, in all due respect to all the wonderful things that medicine has developed and the pharmaceutical companies have developed from antibiotics to, to, to chemotherapy, to the wonderful things that they do to save people's lives. But it can't be just that. Yeah. It can't be just that, but a lot of people think it is. If I get, if I get sick, I'm going to go to my doctor and they're going to have the cure for me. Whereas, and I think those are, are two huge hindrances, at least in my field in the health field yeah. that I see. Yeah. Those are the two big things. So that's what I, I work on people's psyche mm-hmm. uh, more than anything else. And it really does come down to perspective, a mindset and an issue I find with not just health, but life in general is really just passivity we see that really passivity was what caused Adam to fall in the garden. And so it's ingrained in us. Um, We know what to do. We definitely don't lack information. We have access to all the information in the world. We just lack the proactiveness, uh, the determination and discipline to really put that into work. And yeah, I'd agree with you that in the medical field, it really isn't, they don't really focus on uh, curing so much as managing symptoms. And it's, it's unfortunate. I think there are changes being made. I think, you know, when I talk to doctors or my professors, um, they have really good intentions, but there's so much to unwind from the past decades that it will take a while. And, it's not that simple either. So no, it's really no. important for uh, you and myself as a future, I guess, health educator um, to educate patients on, you know, really how to think, like how, how to approach nutrition and life with the proper mindset, 
um, set realistic expectations yep. so that they're able and equipped to handle them by themselves and then use the doctors um, and whoever their, their health team is to kind of be their coaches and guide them throughout that journey uh, yep. because it, it comes down to the patient. Um, sur- surgeries, 100% doctors. But when it comes to nutrition, um, you know, doctors aren't going to feed the patient it's up to uh, you who have who might be going through an illness or maybe you have a goal to lose weight to practice that discipline and change your lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you talk about many things in your in your blog and podcast, and we truly don't have time to cover all of that. But I'm thankful that it is online so people can listen to it. Um, but I am interested in kind of you know, how the food we eat affect our hormones, which impact, uh, which in turn impact how we feel. Would you be able to give us a quick like uh, crash course in, in terms of that relationship, just so people are uh, aware? I, I don't know how, how condensed you can make it, but you can choose what's important. Okay, well, and yeah, and listen, I, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, people have often said you are what you eat, and I I I bring it down a little bit more. You are what you absorb, right? Because there's a lot of, you know, eighty percent of the population have some form of digestive issue. But you're absolutely right, and we know so much more in nutrition. If I, you know, if I look back over my forty six years of practice. I'll tell you what I know today about nutrition and what I knew back then about nutrition. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you know, it's light years in, in terms of, of the amount of knowledge. But you'll never be a good doctor unless you can simplify things for people. Because if you're ever going to get a message to people, you have to get them to understand to the extent that they can. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to have a PhD, but they people are smart. And if you give them the information in the right way. So, for example, the hormone that affects you the most, in my opinion, is insulin. Mm-hmm. It's a food hormone. You never have to worry about insulin if you don't eat. But you can't live without eating. And therefore, there's nothing that affects your health as much as food. Unfortunately, you know, if you think about it, where where food has gone, I mean, if you left, see, I go, you and I left the planet in the 1970s, okay? You weren't even born, but let's say you and I were the same age, and you and I left the planet in the 1970s. We went to Mars, and then we come back to planet Earth. I don't know about Brazil. But I'm telling you, if we landed back in North America, you and I would be absolutely shocked at the size of people. Oh, yeah. Because what's changed the most, it's so obvious that we miss it. It's too obvious. Mm -hmm. Is the thing that happened the most is people have become huge. And it's food. Mm-hmm. It's not the environment. It's not the climate. It's food. And so this has the most drastic impact 
in our society is the food industry. They've had the biggest influence. And what they did, okay, and I'm not saying they had bad motives. I think they had good motives. But they took something like food and they learned from the tobacco industry how to addict people to it. And so what you see, and I have to be careful even for myself, is we all, I think, know the ravages, especially in this day and age of drug addiction Mm -hmm. and how that is a new phenomenon. And that is an incredible thing. I've seen it in my lifetime from alcohol to drugs, but drugs especially, how it has devastated uh, families and has ruined a huge part of the uh, of the United States, in my opinion, because the massive amount of drugs, especially in the inner cities and that. Anyway, but come back to the addiction. Think of what's happened in our society. That since the 1970s, it started before that, but since the 1970s, there has been a huge shift in food. Yes. And the consequences of that have been devastating. And it all has to do with one hormone. It's called insulin. And so I wrote a book years ago called Serial Killers, Two Hormones That Want You Dead. One of those hormones was insulin. The other one is cortisol. That's stress. We can talk about that if you want to. Mm -hmm. But you see, for me, I simplified because what I was seeing in my practice, see, I go, you have to understand, my practice changed. I've been in practice a long time. So it went from the 1970s, not that I didn't see diabetes, of course I did, but every second person was a diabetic or a pre-diabetic. Diabetic or pre. And what are they saying now about the population? At least 60, 70% of the population today in North America are diabetic or pre. And as as my old friend, Dr. Kraft, used to say, a man that I studied under, who was the guru of diabetes, used to say, if you're a pre-diabetic, you're already a diabetic. Because to him, you see, you were on the Titanic and you already hit the iceberg. And now if you didn't get into the lifeboat, you were in deep trouble. Because Dr. Kraft used to talk about insulin resistance when nobody talked about that. And that is just, again, it's a food hormone yeah. that has implications in cancer, implications in cardiovascular disease, obviously implications in diabetes, obviously, but in one of the number one killers in our society today, and that is Alzheimer's. The number one killer in the United Kingdom is not cancer. It's not heart disease. It's Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. So it's incredible. So I know from what and I and this know, is a food thing. Yeah, from what I've heard, and from what you said, I think I learned this from you. Alzheimer's starts. You know, what you do in your forties, fifties, and sixties will affect you in your seventies and eighties. So, is is there like a relationship? Is that a relationship between insulin and cortisol and what you eat in that period of life is going to affect, I guess, the, the, the nutrition or the nourishment of your brain. 
Yes, and let me let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Okay, in a very a Coles Notes version. Mm -hmm. Do you know what Coles Notes are? You're too young. No. (laughs) Coles Notes is where they were like little cheating things that we did when we were in high school. We, you could whatever subject you were taking, they had a little synopsis of it, and you could buy it in a book. Okay. And we called them Coles Notes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the Coles notes of what's, and this is, it unlocks so many things, all chronic disease. Insulin should have a part-time job. If you give it a full-time job, it will create inflammation in your body. And my son is the first guy, I think again, that came out with this statement. He's like his mother. He's got the brains of the family, okay? My son said, Dad, inflammation is not Houdini. Mm. It just doesn't show up. Something needs to cause it. Well, what causes inflammation? Because it, even in medicine now, they're very cognizant of this biomarker, and that's called inflammation. Mm-hmm. Because inflammation destroys, you know, it's it's... It's, it's, it's got a two-edged sword. It's inflammation. If you have a fever, you want that. Yeah. That's how your body's immune system works. You scrape your leg, you, you want to have, uh, have inflammation there because your body's bringing extra blood supply, extra enzymes, extra proteins, extra everything to heal. But the problem is if that doesn't go away, inflammation will destroy your blood vessels. Mm. It starts with the blood vessels. It's a double-edged sword, you see, good things and and bad if it doesn't go away. So insulin creates inflammation. Inflammation starts destroying blood vessels. And that, and of course, starts to destroy cells. Yeah. And at the cellular level, at the microscopic level in the body, you start the process of chronic disease. And so for me, I look at nutrition based on one hormone. It's a food hormone. It's insulin. So if I can reverse your insulin, you need insulin. Of course you do. But if I can make it work the way it should work in a temporary basis, you've solved a huge problem in people's lives. Because from Alzheimer's to diabetes to uh, most cardiovascular diseases, you see, because, and again, I I don't want to make this a medical podcast, but if you look at it, I'm a big guy on food. You have to eat, eat the right things. And I believe that we have been sold sort of a bill of goods Unintended consequences, I think, of the good intentions, maybe, of the food industry, making things convenient, Mm -hmm. making things rapidly so people don't have time, they can eat fast, and they were not going to prepare meals. So we got away from what we used to do in the 19... You know, I tell my kids, my grandchildren, Grandpa used to have ice cream and cookies too, you know. But... Canadians and 
North Americans were consuming 25 pounds of sugar a year. Now they're consuming almost 200 pounds of sugar a year because sugar is in every packaged good just about. Yeah. And all these vegetable oils that are, that are, um, you know, polyunsaturated fatty acids that elevate your insulin, elevate your inflammation. And they're making us big and they're, because insulin is a storage hormone, but it's it's not only that they're making us big, they're making us sick. And you see, for me, this is my passion. I want to get that message out to the world in any way I can. Mm-hmm. And I know it goes against the grain in a lot of ways, but I tell people, look, you don't, if you need sugar, you can have a piece of steak. And if your brain needs sugar, it'll take, it'll turn that steak into sugar. Right. But you don't need sugar because you got lots of sugar. Get rid of your sugars. Our body's smart. Your body's so intelligent. And so this is where I come from. If you want to bring it down into into, um, a simple, I work mainly on people's insulin. And of course, I talk about cortisol because cortisol is a stress hormone. Cortisol adds gasoline to inflammation. That's how it works. It adds, it's, you got a little fire of inflammation inside your body and most people don't even know it because nobody's testing for it. You, what stress does over a period of time, it, it creates a bonfire, a Mm. bonfire of inflammation goes crazy with stress and inflammation destroys your blood vessels will destroy your cells and will destroy, you know, your, your, your body's uh, infrastructure. So this is where I've simplified it in the best way I know how. And if you, if nothing else, change your food, if nothing else, if you want to do one major thing for your health, I think it's the foundation of all health. Yeah. You better change your food. So, and, and that's where, that's where I'm at. With that, let's transition into uh, the new book that's coming out, The Martin Clinic Reset, The Diet Your Doctor Won't Share With You. And maybe a a little bit later, as you kind of talk about what's in the book, um, why you wrote it, or maybe some uh, examples of how you've seen this this reset diet really help people, uh, maybe speak into how people can manage their insulin, which is pretty easy. It's just not, you know, you need a lot of discipline Um, and also how to lower cortisol. But let's start with the book. Okay. Well, the book is, um, it's a reset. It's a 30-day eating program. And and I, I, the background of it, see, I go with this. I started implementing this program about, five years ago in my practice. Mm -hmm. And I did it with diabetics at first only. So I, you know, because of my background and uh, my radio show and this and that, I had probably 60, 70% of my practice were either diabetic or pre with high A1Cs, 
Some people with high sugar, but for sure their A1C was in that high range. Could you clarify what an A1C is? A1C is a is an average, right? Is an average of your blood sugars. Okay. And when you know it's a it's a very I I like it because it gives me more indication of where your insulin is at. But in my practice, I was seeing every day probably seven or eight diabetic patients. I always gave them a story. I told them the cat story. So let me tell you this story. It's very short, but I'll tell you the story. It's a true story, by the way. Okay. Okay. So it's a story of a cat. I had a lady come into my office about 15 years ago who had terrible allergies. I thought she had a cold. She never stopped sneezing. Her eyes were watering. She was sniffling. And I'm going, oh, good. She's got a cold. Mm. But when I took her blood, I realized it was allergies. She had the, all these massive uh, mast cells, mm. M-A-S-T. Yeah. So I said, well, you have an allergy. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I'm here, doc. And I said, well, what are you allergic to? She said, my cat. Well, I said, get rid of it. And she said, well, I can't. I love my cat. I said, well, then I can't help you. True story. Uh-huh. It's when a diabetic comes into my office, I said, get rid of your carbs. Well, I can't. Well, then I can't help you. But if you're willing to be helped, I can, I can tell you how to get rid of diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you'll, you'll go into 100% remission. If you tell, if I, if you do what I tell you, one classic case was a lady who came in, I tested her sugars. Her sugar was at 25. She was in ketoacidosis. I told her, I said, you will, your kidneys will shut down within a week. You will, you will be dead. Just so people know the normal range is like four. Exactly. Five, or 25. And you know, extreme. you get into the sixes, you're into diabetes or at least pre. Mm-hmm. She was at 25 when I tested her. She was still talking to me. I said, it's amazing. You haven't gone into a coma, but she was the first one that I ever did this with. I said, okay, you're going home and you are not going to have one carbohydrate. Not one. You're not going to have bread. You're not going to have pasta. You're not going to have noodles. You're not going to have rice. As a matter of fact, I said, you're not even going to have any fruits, even though I'm not, you know, fruits are different, but you'll have no vegetables, no fruit. You will eat eggs, meat, and cheese for the next 30 days. And you need to, I gave her my cell phone. She was to text me because she could monitor her blood sugar, Mm -hmm. test, send it to me at least three times a day and tell me what your blood sugars are. Wow. So there's accountability. Accountability. So I mean, I, I mean, I, I said, you are going to die. Get your affairs in order or change your lifestyle and rapidly. Well, I guess I scared her. And within a week, she was at seven. Wow. And within two weeks, she was at 5.5. Wow, that was fast. She wasn't hungry. She was only eating eggs, meat, and cheese. And she was, a, she was I said, what are you, a lawyer? Because she kept trying to negotiate with me. She said, Doc, can I have some fruit? My sugars are at 5.5. I said, no. 
You cannot have anything but eggs, meat, and cheese. So she was my first. So I go, what yeah. happened after that? I gave it to every diabetic patient. Mm. Here's what I found. Within a week, they not only were sugars were under control, whether they were on meds or not, but it's how much better they felt. I said, so I, I started implementing a 30-day. You know why I did 30 days to start? Because of the 21-day rule and then add another uh, seven or eight days to form habit. Yeah. Right? I knew I had to get them off their cravings, and I had to get them. I've been, you know, it wasn't my first rodeo. So you name me the diet. Name it to me. I'll give you a version. I'll I'll tell you what it is and usually why it doesn't work. Okay. Okay. Because they never make it a lifestyle. They just make it a yo-yo diet. So this was a 30-day program to change your habits and to implement a habit. And this is a good habit. And I knew from my nutritional background that it was very important that they got B12 and very important that they ate, they consumed enough B12 because B12 is a metabolic vitamin. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't work properly without it. And so I knew that they needed to get their B12 levels up in eating because diabetics are extremely low in B12 and others like vitamin D, but this is strictly food. So this is where that book came from. It was a 30 day program. I called the reset and I have probably, uh, two or 3000 patients that before I left practice were doing it or had done it, done the 30 day. Some of them never got off that. It became I had a lady style. tell me yesterday, she said, Doc, I feel so good. I'm so scared to get sick again that I just continue to do it. And they miss nothing. I mean, they have all the nutrients that they need. Do you th- and I'm not saying that that's for everybody. Yeah. I'm just saying that this lady was so chronically bad. She had an autoimmune disease. And this diet helped her tremendously. So it's a 30-day r- a program to fix your insulin resistance. It fixes it. Now, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, you know, once a diabetic, always a diabetic, you can go into remission, but you are always going to, if you go back to this, to the way you used to be, it'll come back faster than, uh, uh, than jet fuel can ignite. So I tell people, look, you got it. This is a lifestyle. I'm going to give you a lifestyle change. But you can never go back to the habits that you were. And of course, I'm a motivator. I'm a pumper. That's why I get people to, (laughs) you know, I pump them up and I tell them, you can do it, man. You can do it. And you just trust me. Look, people have to make, they have to trust you. Yeah. So if you're a coach, they got to trust you. I say, well, look, trust me, this works. Mm. And if you implement it, it will help you like you would not believe. So am I excited about this new book coming? I am super pumped, but I'm not going to stop there because for me, my education, I want to get to doctors. I want to get to, I want to get to you. Please do. And others so that they will understand you get, you'll, you know, you'll understand 10 times more than I, what I'll understand about this. 
But all I'm saying is I'm getting to practitioners of all kinds and saying, look, if you implement, and I'm going to teach it and then implement with, uh, with chronic disease, doesn't have to necessarily be the reset, although the reset for a, I have never found in all my years of a, a diet that is nutritionally as sound as this one is as easy to understand, easy to implement, because it's you don't have to think, you just have to eat the right foods. And that gets the results clinically that I've seen from lowering your insulin, lowering your blood pressure, lowering your um, your triglycerides. I can lower your triglycerides. How? Three fat balls. <laughs> you know that that. You know I'm always and you know me, Diego, where I come from. I'm not a big guy on cholesterol. Well, I love cholesterol. You actually. You know, if you want to live long, you need to have high cholesterol. Yes. Now, I know that goes against the grain. 100%. That's not but, what we learn. You know, you don't want to lower people's cholesterol. You want to lower people's triglycerides because triglycerides are the bad guys. And triglycerides, the only way to lower them is with food. There's no medication to lower triglycerides. Mm -hmm. You can lower cholesterol with medications, but you're aiming at the wrong guy. You're, you want to hit the triglycerides, and triglycerides is directly proportional to what you eat. Mm. They're caused by carbohydrates, sugars, rapid sugars. And so, you see, for me, it's simplified. And I want to make it simple for even doctors to understand this is how they're going to get results. And, I mean, when you can lower a, a, a person's blood pressure, in 30 days, I that's exciting to me. If you can lower a person's inflammation markers from homocysteine to C-reactive protein, if you can lower all those markers of inflammation in 30 days, that's exciting to me. So you see, like for me, I am passionate about it because I've seen it. Clinically, I can tell you I, I saw it happen. Yeah. And I've shown it to cardiologists. I've shown it to oncologists because even cancer, cancer needs fuel. I'm not saying no chemo. I'm not saying no radiation. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But I tell the patient, listen, you better do that along with your cancer treatment because I, I wish you didn't get cancer. But if you have it, don't feed it. Cancer needs fuel. Yeah. If you if you get a PET scan, they give you a, a, a cup of, of, of radioactive glucose, for heaven's sakes. And you light up like a Christmas tree if you got cancer. Well, right? I mean, food is, do you see? Yeah. Like to me, we, that's the foundation. It ought to be a medicine. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of been tipped upside down because food is, uh, you know, like I, 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 I talked to a patient this, uh, yesterday that said, well, my cardiologist, when I said to them, can I change my diet? And they said, well, don't bother. I'm going to give you a, a, a pill. Uh, no, you should do both. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, because since you brought up the cardiologist in pill, could you explain, maybe make it easy for people to understand really the purpose of cholesterol? Because I know there's a, a big misunderstanding. Like you said, it's not cholesterol, it's triglycerides. 
And I, I even brought this up with, with a cardiologist in one of my small groups. And um, they're very, very adamant about the effectiveness of uh, statin drugs. But it still should not, regardless of your view of that, it should not prevent you from, from really managing your diet. And there, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, there is some misinformation or misunderstanding in society yeah. today in terms of really what cholesterol is and how good it is for you rather than, you know, it being a villain. Yes. Well, Jago, think think about this for a minute. And you know what? I, I just, I love the generations that I've lived in, right? From the 19, born in 1952, where heart disease was about 10% of the population. Now it's 50, well, 50% of North Americans have heart, some form of heart disease. Yeah. High blood pressure and, 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 and bad markers in their blood, right? 50%. Yeah. What happened? How did that happen? Well, I can tell you exactly what happened because I, I, I not only studied it, I watched it. One guy started after President Eisenhower got a heart attack. They did an autopsy and they saw cholesterol okay. in his blood vessels around his heart. Yeah. This guy wasn't a no dummy. Dr. Ansel Keys was a researcher, a very smart man. Aha, he says, we found the answer to heart disease. Now it was only 10%. Yeah. Now we're dying of heart disease. What he didn't take into consideration, of course, was smoking. But hey, for the information he had, my dad was a doctor and my dad thought that was smoking was good till he came home in 1962. I remember the day I was 10 years old. My dad threw his cigarettes in the waste paper basket and said, I'll never have another cigarette. It causes cancer. My mm. dad said that. But before that, he used to give cigarettes to his patients because they had a cough. He said, here, that'll clear your lungs. Have, have one of my Buckingham. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> but that's what they knew, right? Yeah. I mean, nine out of 10 doctors smoke camels. That was an advertisement that they used in Time magazine. Wow. I, I, I grew up with that. I watched that. But what happened nutritionally is it all came from Ansel Keys. It's fascinating to read about it. And, of course, I studied it. But what he did is he, he started the cholesterol theory of heart disease. And it got a lot of legs. And then the food industry, especially Kellogg's and the cereal companies, mm -hmm. who, were, who were really ginning up with advertising, TV, you know, in, especially in the 60s and that started to influence kids with, with cartoons and, and, the, and the commercials would come on. And they would tell you, well, don't have bacon and eggs because that's cholesterol. Have our cereal. So, but it wasn't true. Yeah. I mean, the, the science wasn't true. It, it, you know, it, like, so if you understand where that comes from, you'll understand that what happens that cholesterol was made the boogeyman. So it really just started off as a theory 
Yes. Um, but it never, they never really like delve deep into it to actually prove, you know, like find evidence that it is the, the bad guy. Well, to the point, my point is yeah. if statin drugs, cholesterol lowering medications were as effective as they should be, mm-hmm. or they say they are, well, then we've, we would have just about eradicated heart disease. Heart disease is worse today than it ever was. Yeah. Because they're looking for love in all the wrong places. It's, right. it's not the right thing, in my opinion. Right. Because if someone calls you fathead, take it as a compliment. Because your brain is made up of cholesterol. Your brain, your cells are made up of cholesterol. And your hormones are not transported without cholesterol. Like, first of all, you can't even make them. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you're, you can't even transport them. So cholesterol is not a boogeyman. Cholesterol you can't live without. Now, I know they've divided cholesterol into, to, you know, HDL and LDL and yeah. this. I get that. I understand that. I understand the, 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 the biochemistry of it. But I still think they're wrong because what happened is that cholesterol now was the, uh, the be-all and end-all of, of heart disease. Let's lower your cholesterol. Whereas in nutrition... Your brain can't work without cholesterol. Mm. Your heart can't work without cholesterol. And blaming cholesterol for heart disease is like blaming the police. They're at the crime scene. Of course, cholesterol is going through your blood vessels. It's FedEx trucks on the highways of your blood vessels delivering hormones. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't live without cholesterol. They're just the messenger. They're only a messenger. They're, 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 they're needed. And so for me, lowering them is looking, you're, you're hitting the wrong target because triglycerides are three fat balls, triglycerides, and three fat balls come from carbohydrates and triglycerides are made in your liver by uh, glycogenesis, which is a big word for stored fat, but the stored fat in your liver comes from carbohydrates it doesn't come from fat. Interesting. So fat doesn't make you fat. It never did and never will. Yeah. Carbs make you fat because carbs are going to be stored as sugars, as glycogen in the liver. And once the liver is full, your body just sends it into the bloodstream as triglycerides. And that is what is the culprit in heart disease. Mm. Ansel Keys started something else. And you can understand, I, I get it, the food industry, which we're looking for, you know, cereals and lots of money. Yeah. Bake, there's no money in bacon and eggs. <laughs> there's no money in produce. I mean, there, it's not that there's no money in, but no big money. You can't scale it. You can't make you, uh, you can't, meat. You can't scale it up. <laughs> In that speed. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So you can understand these forces. I always say there's two forces in the world, two big forces. And they they're, they do a lot of good, so please don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. Mm. There's the food industry and there's the pharmaceutical industry. And they're huge. They are. They make the world go around. They create millions and millions of jobs they put m- their money where their mouth is mm-hmm. and they do some wonderful things. But 
the pharmaceutical industry, they knew they found a found a drug that became the number one selling drug of all time. The Wayne Gretzky of all drugs is a drug called Lipitor. The number one selling drug of all time is a cholesterol lowering medication. If you heard me in the 1970s, I was I said nope, nope, nope. It only came out in the 80s. Yeah. But I was talking about eat bacon and eggs and eat butter. Don't eat margarine and don't eat PUFAs. PUFAs are polyunsaturated fatty acids that are in the middle aisles of your grocery store. They're packaged goods. And look, I'm not saying never eat them. You know, come on. I'm not saying that. But if you live on that stuff, your body was made for cholesterol. You better, God don't trust you enough because 85% of your cholesterol is made in your liver. Mm -hmm. But the 15%, you better eat it. And cholesterol is only found in the animal kingdom. It is not found in plants. So, you can understand where I come from. I, as a nutrition, you know, my, my expertise in nutrition, I tell people, if you don't eat cholesterol, your body will, your body, instead of producing 85% of it, will start making bad cholesterol. Right. Because you, it'll, it'll have to make up. If you're a vegetarian or a vegan, I'm sorry. I love you. You might have tremendous motivation, but scientifically, no, you're missing out because there are just some things like cholesterol, for mm-hmm. example, that you must eat yeah. in order to be healthy, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's like, how do you like that rant? <laughs> I love it. I've, I've listened to it and it's a common one because there's so much misunderstanding around it. And um, I just want to clarify for everybody, like you, like you said, like we're not, you're not, speaking like against the pharmaceuticals or the food industry it's just really they're not focusing on on what's like really happening on us on a, a deeper level and because of this so many people are being impacted and, I, and i've heard you say like listen if you get an infection and you need antibiotics so go to the medical doctors they're going to oh, help absolutely. you absolutely um then you need that but when it comes to nutrition um, I can vouch for this. Like we're not taught nutrition at all. Maybe a, a little bit. I still haven't experienced it. It's really up to us to educate ourselves. And so I appreciate the fact that you're going to, I know you're going to develop like a nutrition course and you want to educate um, practitioners because this is a missing, this is like the missing link because instead of being preventative medicine, now we're just pain managing and that's not good for anyone because that's where the money goes to in healthcare. That's where the the budget yeah. for the country goes. So it's not just affecting the individual um, that is suffering from these health issues, whether they chose to do it knowingly or they didn't. But now people are paying tax dollars. The country is trying to put a Band-Aid on on this and um, it's affecting really the country and internationally, globally. Well, by the year 2030, and this came out from the World Health Organization, that the unintended consequences of chronic disease will cost the economy in world economy $30 trillion a year. 
by uh-huh. 2030 we if we don't change that. course. Like there's not enough tea in China to fix this if we if we don't fix it ourselves. Yeah. Because it really comes down to individuals and realizing that, you know what, we can't rely on government or, you know, big pharma or big food or whatever. We have to take responsibility on our own and do the best you can with the circle of influence that you have with people and on your podcast and you're educating people. And, you know, for me, this is because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to go down a rabbit trail, but you can understand I, for me, the underbelly, see, I go the underbelly of North America got exposed with COVID because we shut the world down on a virus and I understand all of the implications and why they did it and whatever. I'm not trying to get into the politics of it, but what people weren't talking about is the only people that got sick, really. I mean, other than if you were older, were what we call the pre-existing conditions. Mm. So every physician knew that, that if someone was diabetic, someone had high blood pressure, someone had asthma, someone had whatever. Those were the people that were vulnerable. You and I, you know, I I, I put myself in that category, even though I'm a senior citizen, Mm -hmm. you know, the chances of, of COVID hurting you were almost none, right? Almost like I, and not that I, not that the virus wasn't serious. It was more than serious. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the underbelly got exposed because what they didn't address when they, this would have been the perfect time to do it is to say metabolically, it's only those people that were vulnerable and you know what? The next virus that comes around, because there'll be another one, or the next bacteria, mm-hmm. you know, tuberculosis or whatever it is that comes back and becomes a pandemic again. It's the people that have no immune system. Mm-hmm. It's the people that have metabolic syndrome. My whole book is about that. It really is about how you as an individual can take care of your health. And so from any, even a virus, you know, there are no guarantees in life. We know that. You read the Bible, come on. You know, we understand that. You know, life is short and full of trouble. You know, I understand that. But what I'm saying is that these are the the implications of chronic disease in our society. We saw it during COVID mm-hmm. that people died because they had pre-existing conditions. They were either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Most of them, they were obese. And and one of the things that I brought out and through this whole thing, I did it on so many podcasts. I said, you know, if you have insulin resistance and you take a vaccine, that vaccine won't even work for you. This is a story that came out of the United Kingdom that they found out that the flu shot in 2018 did not work on people who had insulin resistance. Wow. It got buried Nobody said anything. I saw the story. I've been talking about it for two years. Mm -hmm. That your immune system, if you have metabolic syndrome, which is insulin, it's food. The vaccine won't work on you. The vaccine that's coming, 
and God bless them. That's where the pharmaceutical industry yeah. is wonderful. And there's a lot because of because they're the ones that can go and develop a vaccine, and I'm not against that yeah. if it saves people's lives, like antibiotics. Absolutely, got no problem with it. If you get in a car accident, don't come see me. I'm not going to do you any good. Go see an emergency doctor because that's what you want to see, right? Yeah. But all I'm saying is this whole thing exposed the underbelly of our society. Mm -hmm. It exposed the cancer of, of insulin that is going on in society today, and it drives me crazy, but it, it motivates me too, to keep preaching. Never stop preaching. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, a little while back, we mentioned the importance of cortisol and how cortisol mm. um, will find inflammation and just increase that bonfire. What would you recommend people do who might be stressed out or maybe their body's creating cortisol for other reasons aside from life stresses? How would you recommend people lo lower that cortisol level? Because we know that for insulin, really, all you have to do is lower your triglycerides, uh, lower yeah. your carbs, eat good fats, eat your good meats. Um, when your book comes out, go buy the Martin Clinic <laughs> Reset Diet, give it a try. So we know how to lower insulin. Now, it might not be easy. Remember that we know what to do, but we don't always do what we know. But how can we lower our cortisol? And that's a good question. Because cortisol, like I said, it's not a you know it will take inflammation, and it will it will put rocket fuel on it, and it will start a fire in the body. I think part of it is to is to understand that, and again, I, I just give you a little bit of background, and you know, my son and I talk about this all the time. The other dead, hor death, deadly hormone in, in our book that we wrote, this 10 years old now, mm -hmm. was cortisol. And cortisol can be a deadly hormone because stress, God gave us adrenal glands. And adrenal glands secrete cortisol. And cortisol, if I come up behind you, they go and scare you, well, it's the fight or flight, yeah. right? You're going to adrenaline and you're going to punch me or you're going to run. So some stress is actually not harmful at all. You actually need it. The problem with cortisol is when it becomes long-term, it doesn't go away. So it takes inflammation and just puts rocket fuel to it, destroys blood vessels. It destroys your immune system yeah. because you're, when you're stressed, your immune system doesn't work. I'll give you an example. One of the best things that you can do for cortisol is sleep. But if you don't sleep, your cortisol goes up. If your cortisol goes up, you don't sleep. Mm, yeah, because your brain, will, your brain will race. I think we've all experienced that, sleepless nights. Yeah. But there's 70% of the population never get a good sleep. And, you know, again, I'm a Bible reader, so I'll tell you that, you know, the Apostle Paul said, be anxious for nothing. In everything with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, right? Yeah. So, you know, we have a tool as Christians that we, we need, you know, we understand that 
We've got to hand it over. It's not easy to do. It's a very difficult to do. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems. Today's got enough problems. He said, you know, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. I have a huge resource and I use that in my own life. Okay. Yeah. For people of faith, they have a huge resource. Yeah. But if you can understand that you better shut that body down. I tell people, you know, the old thing about power naps. One yeah. of the things that will help the most is during the day, if you're busy, you take 10, 15 minutes out of your day and shut yourself down. Have a siesta. I can fall asleep in one nanosecond. <laughs> I've trained my body so much that I can shut myself down during the day and recharge my batteries. One of the best ways to get rid of cortisol is to have a nap, a power nap. Pray, meditate. You know, I, I'm, I'm big on that. I'm very big on that. Mm -hmm. And for me, these are resources. And, you know, I, when I wrote the book about insulin and cortisol, they, they, your, your cortisol will elevate your blood sugar. Well, think about what it's doing, <gasps> right? Mm -hmm. Of course your blood sugar is yeah. going up. What goes up must come down. So if your cortisol is going up, it's going to bring your blood sugar up and then it's going to sink your blood sugar like the Titanic. So you need to have the right fuel. You see, I always tell people don't burn uh, 88 octane. That's for your car. Burn rocket fuel, which is it'll keep your stabilize your blood sugar. If it stabilizes your blood sugar, it will help so that you don't have the swings in cortisol fluctuating your blood sugar. Yeah. So if you put logs on the fire instead of paper and twigs, because if what happens with cortisol is that your blood sugars are going up, they're going down all day long. There's up, down, up, down. And what happens? You crave. Mm. Yeah, it's crashes. one of the signs that you got high levels of cortisol. Okay. So one of the ways you can help is by good nutrition is by putting logs on the fire. Logs are, are protein. Protein, protein, protein. Put protein on the fire because they will stabilize your blood sugar and you will have much less fluctuations, which uh, cortisol brings. So mm -hmm. you can help napping and trying doing everything you can to get to sleep. Of course, you know what? One of the things that helps cortisol the most is vitamin D. Really? Go lie in the sun for 10 or 15 minutes. Don't burn. Yeah. But you see, vitamin D, every cell in your body has an antenna for vitamin D. It's not a vitamin, by the way. It's a hormone. You know, it's a hormone. It's like mm -hmm. cholesterol. Yeah. It actually looks like cholesterol. Vitamin D, your body doesn't work properly without. But you know what? There's nothing that makes melatonin like vitamin D. The sun. I tell people, don't go burn in the sun, but get sunlight. Try and do a little bit, a little nap in the sun of 15, 20 minutes. You will lower your cortisol. I've proven it to people, measured it with people. That cortisol will go down with the introduction of good levels of vitamin D. Of course, you live in Northern Ontario in the winter. Yeah. You're going to have to take it as a supplement. Yeah, <laughs> You just can't get it from the sun. Well, you can, but good luck with that, right? Yeah. Well, that, so that's, you know, generally that's, those are the things that I implement. Good food, 
Get your insulin because that's important. It goes along with cortisol. You need sleep. You need to turn the body off. I use your resources for medica- uh, med- meditation or I, you know, I, I, I pray uh, me, it's prayer mm-hmm. and constantly taking those bad thoughts, you know, stinking thinking, I call it. Yeah. You know, that make you worry about stuff. 92% of the things you worry about, apparently are never going to happen to people, but yet stress is a major issue in our society today. Of course, we saw it with COVID again. That's, you know, I, I talked about this on Monday on my podcast. I talked about the unintended consequences of stress. That, you know, because we're looking at an infectious disease. Mm-hmm. But medicine has to be holistic. Because what about all the people? The suicides are up by 40%. Drug overdoses are up by 400% since March. Oh, just since March. Just since March. You see, people, we need each other. You know, we're not meant to wear a mask and we're not meant not to go to church and we're not meant to not to say hello to each other in the grocery store. And people are so fearful today. Wow. And I understand why they did it, but I'm just saying those are unintended consequences. Yeah. And now we're seeing, you know, because the, the hospitals were closed to everything else but COVID. But I can tell you, they're going to be full again with people with mental health issues and emotional health issues. And anxiety is going to go through the roof. I'm just, I'm not a prophet nor the son of one, but I'm telling you, that is a big, big thing coming down the pipe. Yeah, for sure. Um, You mentioned that you're creating a nutrition course or you have created it. I'm not, yep. not sure. Could you just briefly touch upon maybe like when it's coming out, uh, who's it for um, and what it's going to, you know, what's in it? Yeah. Well, uh, generally, uh, you know, uh, I'm hoping, I was hoping it'd be out in September, but one of the projects that I worked on was this book, Metab- you know, and, and writing a book is always tedious. Yeah. There's a lot of things uh, that need to be done. And um, it took me a little longer than I thought. And when the, when, when some of the nice days were out there, I was out sitting in the sun instead of writing my book. So I just, I'll, I'll tell you that ahead of time. But um, hopefully the book is out in September. My part is done now. So yeah. it's over in the publisher's hands. So that's fine. Secondly, uh the I've written up these courses and they're ready to be put online in a short period of time, a short turnover time, probably by October. We will have, and are we going to separate the courses? My son and I are still discussing that. I find, and this is just me, there you go. You, I think you mentioned it. When you're in medical school, you get very little nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I would like to do uh, nutrition 101. Start with the basics and teach, you know, nutrition to the lay person who's interested mm-hmm. and the professional from naturopaths to you name the doctor. I think they would benefit from this. Yeah. And from my background, I think that, you know, will, will I separate it from the lay person 
And uh, I could certainly do that. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to touch on both sides of the issue. I am going to give the basic goods of the big reason that you need to understand nutrition and what it does to you. And uh, from the, you know, the basics of physiology and the basics of biochemistry and, and how your body operates and giving the big picture and then getting into some minutia. Mm -hmm. But, you know, generally I'm a big picture guy. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big picture I guy. That. I, that's the way I teach. It's the way I, I study. And I like to get the bottom line. Give me the big picture so that I can, and then I'll start putting the pieces of the puzzle together afterwards, but I need to understand why. And so this is what I will get. This is the way I, I that the way I teach. And I do it on a daily basis, by the way, mm -hmm. it'll be just a combination of these podcasts and all the things that I've done, but I will do it in a, in a, in a, a pretty, I think, understandable and a very valuable and very practical way so that people can implement it and they can, they can teach it to others. I, to me, you know, Jesus took 12 men and he turned the world upside down, didn't mm -hmm. he? Yeah. You he know, did. 12 men, he just made them his disciples and they turned the world upside down. So, you know, I don't know if I'll ever help to turn the world upside down, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty motivated to get to my sphere of influence, whoever I can influence. And, you know, I've had a lot of, a lot of people, uh, they go just like yourself that are, are really, really, really interested in being holistic. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you'll never specialize or whatever, but you're going to be, you're going to get a good, a good, uh, understanding. And this is where I come from. So yeah, probably October. Okay. Uh, I'm not making a promise yet because, my son's the boss, right? So I got to listen to what he tells me to do. It's on his timetable, not mine. And I really appreciate your mission and your willingness to, you know, continually put energy into this and educate um, everybody with with the passion that you have. And you are making changes that really will will last for for a while because if people teach their children and they they continue to educate their family members and friends then a lot of people are going to experience these massive health benefits and really live a, a healthy life. And, and I guess they can have the unstoppable health lifestyle that they, that they want. Amen. Um, last second, last question. How has your faith played a role in your life? Could you just talk a little bit about that and how um, really, I guess, foundational Jesus has been in in your, in your life and business as well? Well, you know, I, I, I think I had some great, uh, disciples when I first came to know the Lord, men, uh, that took me under their wing mm -hmm. and showed me some tremendous habits. And that was studying the Bible every day and letting the Bible, um, you know, God's word really, changed my life. And I used it as a tool. One was, first of all, as a mirror yeah. to look in my own life and see, you know, I think where it changed me the most is to see where, how selfish I was, um, you know, and uh, in my home and uh, my family and my kids. 
And, um, you know, I, that, I think if anything had the biggest influence was that, mm-hmm. is me looking into the mirror of the Word of God and how short I was coming up. You know, I had a great exterior and, you know, I had money and I had, you know, a big practice and I had, uh, you know, a lot of friends and a lot of everything that the world would consider success. But when I looked in the mirror, and I think a lot of people never really get to this and they ought to, is, you know, I had to look and see, you know, I had I had a lot of blind spots I had things in my life that, and and the the biggest thing for me was selfishness. So I think the biggest change was me falling in love with other people. And, you know, God does that. If you get this right, if you get the vertical right, because God loves people. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, God doesn't care so much for things. He, He cares for people. So I became... You know, my mission was for people, and I had a heart for people. And I poured my life into other people, into my my wife, and to my kids, into my practice, but my patients, and I, I as individuals, and I, I, I never shied away from telling them where the change came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was the biggest change is I brought, I brought Christ into everything, into my home, into my finances, into my, into my profession, into my ministry, into my every aspect of my life. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know? And so for me, that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. That's so good to hear. And I can, you know, I agree with you that, Without Jesus, without having that faith, um, it's so easy to become selfish and prideful. And uh, when you look in, in scripture and you use it as a mirror and you actually take the discipline to change yourself, it should change your perspective and how you view others. Uh, I noticed that when I'm not uh, studying scripture, when I'm not doing a Bible study or even when I fail to pray often, I notice that my selfishness kind of creeps up. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't just something that that people make up. This isn't a fairy tale. This is something you live and you can experience. And so I find it really neat that one, you're trying to really help people in their health, but also you combine that with your faith and uh, you're not shy of sharing your faith. You're not shy of sharing what Jesus has done in your life. And because of that, your uh, generations have been impacted like your grandkids now know Jesus. And that is probably one of the biggest blessings that there yeah. is. Yeah. I thank God for it. Mm-hmm. If you His could, grace, nothing that I did. Amen. He did it all. If you could give advice to your 20 year old self, what would you say? 20 year old, 20 year old, just a couple years ago. Yeah. Quite a few generations ago. <laughs> it's amazing how fast life. Well, you know what? I, I, if I was to give advice to a 20-year-old, I, I think the best advice, ah, I'd have a lot of it. Surround yourself with good friends. You know, the Bible says, with a multitude of counselors, you get wisdom. Mm-hmm. The friends that you choose in your life 
are going to have the biggest impact on your life. So if I had a 20 year old, I'd say, if you're hanging around losers and you're hanging around people that just want to party their life away and not do anything serious with their life, you need to change your friends. Yeah. And so I always tell people, look, and I tell young people this all the time, change your friends, not easy to do, but yeah. if they're not influencing you in the right direction, then change your friends. And this, this in business, this in, in, in your, you know, a multitude of counselors. And I've, like I said, I, I was so fortunate in my life. I had a father who was a very wise man, uh, who, who, showed me so much and led by example. And I surrounded myself as a young man because I got saved. I was 30 years old, but that had a big impact because I changed my friends and my friends then became dis they discipled me and I watched them and, you know, they weren't perfect. Of course not. But, if, if that was, that would be the advice I'd give to people, because I can usually tell a person yeah. and where they're going to head up and end up if I just have a look at their friends. And so I, I've been in the prison ministry, by the way, I never told you about that. I was in the prison ministry for 35 years as a lay person mm-hmm. going into the prisons. I just always had a heart for people that were incarcerated. Yeah. Praying for them. And praying for them and ministering to them and counseling them. And one of the things I used to tell them, if you leave here and go back out into that world and you don't change your friends, you're going to come right back here. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I was right because a lot of them came back over 35 years in that ministry where I would go into the prisons. I saw people... Uh, re-incarcerated, re-incarcerated, re-incarcerated. They never changed their friends. Wow. Well, Dr. Martin, I want to thank you so much for this, this time that you spent answering my questions and really sharing the wealth of knowledge that you, you have accumulated over so many years and not, not just learning, but like from the experience and sharing your faith if people wanted to learn more about you, learn more about, let's say, cortisol and probiotics and all of that stuff to help their health so that, that they can have an unstoppable health, where could they find out more? Well, the best place, because everything's online now, is go to our website, martinclinic.com. You can sign up for our uh, emails that we send out on nutrition. Uh, you can sign up on our Facebook page, right from our uh, website. Mm-hmm. You can join. I, I do a podcast. Uh, uh, I do a live Facebook every day, five days a week, and that are turned into podcasts. So all of that, they can sign up at martinclinic.com. So that's what I tell them to do. Our books will be available there. Our, uh, the books that I've written are available there. And all we put out a lot of information every day, every you do, day. You do. We're an information uh, clinic because I'm not even practicing anymore as far as seeing individual patients. So we, we the big thing that we want to do is educate. So educate, educate, educate. 
martinclinic.com. Yeah. And I highly encourage you guys to listen to podcasts, but like join the Facebook community because there's so many people that are probably going through the same experience that you are. And a quick search will pull up results and experiences. Uh, for example, if I'm going through something, I'll type in a search bar and see what someone else did, what worked yeah. and what didn't, and then I'll apply that. So that community is extremely helpful. Yep. And Dr. Martin is active there and his staff is active there answering questions. All right, guys, if you gained any value from this episode, I ask that you would take a screenshot and tag me at Chiago Luzvargi and tag Dr. Martin at martin.clinic on Instagram and share it on your Instagram stories so that more people can learn how to live an unstoppable life and impact this world for good. There has been so much that we have discussed today, so make sure that you are not afraid to listen to this multiple times. It takes a while to digest this information, but don't just be... Uh, absorb the information and remember to practice it and live it out. If you have any questions, make sure to reach out. I uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Until the next episode, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey, thank you again for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review on whatever platform you're using. Maybe that's Apple or Google Podcasts. It would mean a lot. Also, if you know anyone who has an unstoppable story, is inspirational and is having success in their area of expertise, then please send them my way so that I can share their story with others and encourage more people to live the life that they were designed to live. And I'll see you on the next episode.